What's up, Calvary Cast listeners? Episode 103 now hitting your ear canal on a Wednesday afternoon live, but not really, sort of. I'm just talking. I'm Graham. That's Jess. And we are here. Jess, say hello to the people. Howdy, howdy. That was very good. Thank did you, you practice that? I did. Did some vocal warm-ups? Yep. Took a class on it once. Nice. And that's what I learned from it. Really? Yeah. What class? It's called Howdy 101. Oh. I often tell my kids, like, um, like I'll make something, like a smoothie. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, you got to drink this. It's the best smoothie ever. I went to college. I took a smoothie class. <laughs> and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I use that for a number of things. Pancakes, smoothies, whatever Like I want them to think is going to be really good. I'm like, you know, I went to college for this. I took a class on this. I took a class on that. So you're going to enjoy this because I have a degree in food making, but not really. Not really. Yeah. But there are degrees in food making, so. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't have them. Right. I don't have a degree in anything. Yeah. Now you went, what is, how long did you go to your school? I have a, the, a certificate. Right. It's three years. Three years certificate, right? Mm-hmm. So, But yeah. you completed that. It showed you completed I, right. something. I completed something, but I don't right. have the, nothing to like hang on my wall, beautiful things. Maybe someday and then also maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not. I can study things I'd rather study on my own. There you Somebody go. telling me what to study. Self-education. Self-education. I'm a rebel. True homeschooler. Uh, I don't have anything else to banter about, do you? Uh, no, not really. not really. Other than saying the weather is nice, like it's, it's not sunny. It's we not haven't got sunny. our sunny yet, but we do have our temperature where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Here. It's getting there. Which uh, is nice. <clears throat> I wonder what people think about weather banter on the podcast. Because if you're not in Grand Junction and listening to this, it really doesn't do anything for you. Right. So... All right, enough with the weather banner. We kind of sound like old men or ranchers. The 5, uh, 5 a.m. McDonald's coffee men that Could go be. there and meet and Could be. every day. That will never be me. You see them at, at McDonald's all over the country, too, because like we've been traveling at times, and I've stopped in at one real early, and there they are over in a corner, and they're all drinking their coffee every yeah. day. And Anyway, okay, enough. let's get on to something more. Substantive. Topic of the day. We are moving into a series, we'll call it. Right? Right, but not maybe not a weekly no, series. No, not weekly. This will just be once in a while. When we don't have other topics to talk about, we're going to return to this. Right. We have done this before, right? We did this with uh, the book on the atonement, which I don't remember what it was called. It was that effective. I don't remember that either. In my place, contempt, condemned he stood. It oh. was the, wasn't it Packer or Stott and yeah. Mark Dever? Mm-hmm. So we did a couple podcasts on that book. We tried a series through the upper room and didn't make it all the way through. Not because of anything lacking in this subject, but just because we, we stopped. looked at other stuff, right? Yeah, we went and had other things. Yes. But we have what I think will be very, I think, this is, I think we're going to make it all the way through this. Right, I do too. We only probably have five or six episodes, really, here yes what are we doing 
This is um, Stephen Charnock. Is it Charnock or Charnock? Well, I don't know. Do you Charnock know? sounds more. But a C-H, that's why you're asking that. Right. Stephen Charnock. Charnock or Carnock. But anyway, he was a, uh, we're going to look at his book that's inside of a bigger book. Yes. Okay, so the bigger book is uh, The Existence and Attributes of God. And the smaller book within the bigger book that we're actually going to look at is The Goodness of God. Yes, On the Goodness of God. Right. And, you know, Stephen Charnock was a Puritan. Uh, He lived till about 1680. Uh, He was, as most Puritans, when you talk about Puritans, he was a pastor. And what you have in this massive book. And it is a massive book. Of the Not just the goodness of God, but the whole book itself right. that I have in front of me is like 600 pages almost or so. And, and that's not just 600 pages, but I mean, it's like fine print. Yeah, like it's small, small font. I want to know the word count on this puppy. Yeah. And so, but he did, these were all lectures that he gave to his church. And he actually died. We just found this out. Mm-hmm. He died before he, he finished these. And these were published two years after his death. So and as it is with most Puritan writings, we have to remember that these were originally, usually, sermons mm-hmm. or lectures given to their local church, not at not even the a seminary, university. university, whatever. This was their local church, and this is what they taught to their people. So when we <laughs> when we dive into this stuff, and like it kind of makes our heads spin a little bit. Imagine being the average congregant that's probably not like highly educated in seventeenth mm-hmm. century England. Yet they probably maybe I don't maybe they were I don't know maybe I'm maybe not as educated because that would have been more of the formal pursuit of like the Puritan divine, right? Sure, but it was, but they obviously gleaned and learned from these things and yeah a, a depth that like is yeah. something else yeah and and culturally we were talking about this earlier they had probably more of an ability to focus for mm-hmm. we should do a whole podcast think on, on deeper that. things because they didn't have the distractions we do that yeah. distract from our ability right. to think about things deeply so this um Book within a book, mm-hmm. in typical puritanical fashion, is very uh, logical, outlined really clearly. If people read the Puritan writings, they are always so like point by point, right? Yeah. Point number one, point number two, which some people love, some people hate. I love it. Right. I think it makes it. It helps you stay within the argument. Yeah. You know, and it certainly helps. Like as we're going back into it, to be able to. Very yes. easily see where we're going. Yes, because they'll say like, okay, number one, number two, yes. number three. But again, that just shows these were these were lectures, these were sermons, mm-hmm. where you would do that. Mm-hmm. My first point is this. Right now, my second point is that. My sub point to that one is this. Right. You know, so so maybe in setting this up, I'll just kind of summarize the points he's going to make overall in this whole little book. Right. Mm-hmm. So this first part that we're going to get to today is just basically an introduction to this whole concept about the goodness of God. And he's going to ask he's going to have five points then that will maybe be subsequent episodes, but what this goodness of God is some propositions concerning the nature of it. Then he's just going to talk about the fact that God is good. The fourth 
point is the manifestation of it in creation, providence, redemption. And as I was looking at that earlier, it's just this huge section where he's just going to go scripture by scripture, mm-hmm. talking about all the ways that God's uh, goodness is seen. And then finally, the use. And I'm yeah. not sure what all he's going to get into in that because I haven't read that far. And I think it's important to mention this is all springboarding off of Mark 10:18, with the conversation between Jesus yes. and the rich young ruler where he said, good teacher, what? must I do in order mm-hmm. to be uh, eternal? What, how what does he must put I it? do in order to inherit eternal yeah. life? And he said, Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Yeah. And so Jesus makes this proposition that only God is good. Right. But this also has another root for you, though, because you were digging into this because of your Doctrine of God class. Yeah, and that came from Exodus 33 and 34 that we're looking at, looking at some of the attributes of God. And it is the occasion where Moses asked God to see his glory. He said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. I'll proclaim my name to you. Um, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and those things. And he just names out these attributes of his and things he does. But he says, you can't see my glory because no one can see my glory and live. But the idea then is by saying, if he says, show me your glory and the Lord says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you in what you'll, and then proclaiming his name and proclaiming his attributes of mercy and grace and, and righteousness and faithfulness and truth that we see then that the primary the 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 source of those attributes is the goodness of God. So there is, I think there is something unique in the attribute of his goodness. Yeah. That is maybe what we would say all encompassing a source, a fountain of all of the other things that flow through it. All right. So you could put the adjective good on each of those. Right? He, he has uh, good justice, good yeah. mercy, yep. good glory. Yeah. Would that be what for? I don't know. Say yeah. And glory. his glory is the, like. It's the outshining of all of his attributes. All of his attributes and his goodness. Yeah. Right. And so um, it's a really profound thing to think about that I've never given too much time to thinking mm-hmm. about. Um, until I started teaching that and saw that in Exodus 33, heard a couple of uh, messages on that from another preacher that got me thinking about it, and then um, started to read Stephen Charnock. So that's where we've kind of landed here, and we were talking about the other day. I thought, let's look at this together. Well, let's start where all good books start, at the beginning. Okay. And we'll just kind of work our way through this and kind of make some observations, try and explain maybe his argument here, right? Mm-hmm. So he starts this uh, discourse by quoting from Mark ten, eighteen, and of course that account of the young man comes to Jesus, asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is also where Jesus, you know, he says, you know, all the law I've kept since my youth, you know, and all of those different things, and and that's the, the passage that's going on here. Um, and in some ways, what is, you know, if we number out these first mm-hmm. things that he talks about with God's goodness. He's actually kind of answering the question somebody might have about, mm-hmm. why do you call me good? There's only good but one. Right. 
Now, he first of all deals with a couple things. We won't, I, I think we'll kind of pass that right now. Okay. Whereas explaining that about, wait a minute, isn't Jesus God? Yes. So isn't he good? Well, yes, yes. But unless you wanted to no, mention. No, well, that. the one thing that I thought was interesting in this, because um, his whole argument that he's making there is when this teacher comes up and he's ascribing to Jesus something he doesn't ascribe to, uh, to anybody else, but he doesn't really recognize Jesus as God. Mm hmm. Right. And so the 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 point that I thought was was interesting from that was even in the world today. Right. People will say Jesus was a good man. Mm -hmm. He was a good teacher. All Mm -hmm. those things. And Sharnock's point is you can't call him good, truly good and deny him God. Right. right? That's what Jesus is saying. Yes. And that's why he's Jesus is saying what he's saying. Yep. Um, So he he gets it right. Yeah. You're calling me the right thing, Mm -hmm. but you're not believing rightly about me. Therefore, you're not truly ascribing to me the goodness I deserve. Right. right. Because what he's going to argue later is that nothing is good apart from God. Yes. Like God, again, is the source of all goodness and anything good in us or anyone else comes from God. And so... um, yeah, so he's answering that, but then he gives these the, the four four points or the four points right of what, God's unique goodness. Yeah, or or maybe how God is good would that be another way that he phrases it? How he is uniquely good. How right? he is uniquely that would good. be different from the goodness someone might see in us. Yes, or the goodness in any of God's uh, in all of God's creation. How is God alone good? So he says this before we get to those points. He says, other things are only good in opinion, but have not the true substance of goodness. He is good in a more excellent way than any creature can be denominated good. So what are those ways? How is God good alone? There is none good but God. How is that the case? Okay, so that's these. So the first one is God is only originally good, good of himself. And he goes on to say, all created goodness is a rivulet from this fountain, but divine goodness hath no spring. God depends upon no other for his goodness. He hath it in and of himself. Man hath no goodness from himself. God hath no goodness from without himself. His goodness is no more derived from another than his being. If we were good by an external thing, that thing must be in being before him or after him. If before him, he was not then himself from eternity. If after him, he was not good in himself from eternity. So what is he saying here? He's saying that God is the only of himself good mm-hmm. being. And everything else that that is good... And we see goodness in lots of things. Everything that God yes. has created, we can find goodness in. But all of it finds its source in God, and God finds it, His source of goodness in no one right. else. Right? Yeah. There's himself. nothing from the outside in, in <clears throat> imputing goodness into God. Right. It's contained within Himself. Okay. So God is only originally good, and He's good of Himself. What's the second point? Okay. God. The second point is this: God only is infinitely good. And by this he means, and this is what he says, a boundless goodness that knows no limits, a goodness as infinite as his essence, not only good but best, not only good but goodness itself, the supreme inconceivable goodness. So you're, you, when, we, when we're thinking about the uniqueness of God's goodness, 
He is originally good, and he's infinitely good. It's a goodness that knows no bounds, no boundaries, no limits. It is infinite goodness. Uh, uh, Like there's never an end to it. Right, like his essence. Yeah. Mm. And his being is is infinite. Hmm. He's infinite in his being. That's uh, the catechisms say that God is a spirit eternal, infinite Hmm. in his being, justice, goodness, power. Oh, and it says goodness in there, too. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And everything else that is a creation of his has limited goodness. Mm. Yeah. it's None of it has infinite mm. goodness. And so that is alone ascribed to God. Number three, God is only perfectly good. Um, he is... It is goodness in his whole nature, hmm. uh, not not only some beams that may admit of increase of degree. It is perfectly through and through, in all its wholeness, absolute, perfectly good, right? And um, he uses here the sun as an illustration. He says the sun, S-U-N, at the perfection of heat in it, but what is warmed by the sun is but imperfectly hot and equals not the sun in that perfection. Like your back is to the sun and your back gets really hot, but your front doesn't. It's imperfectly heating. Yes, right. Okay. But that is different with God's... Goodness. Goodness. It's not like one side is hot and the other side is cold. That's right. It's perfectly good. And this will tie into the idea that I really think there is a uniqueness to the attribute of goodness in that this is all of his essence and being, and so every attribute that flows out of this is good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and perfectly good. I like the last sentence he makes in this point. The goodness of God is the measure and rule of goodness in everything else. Yeah. Like it's the standard. That's the standard of goodness. Yeah. Good. And then the fourth one, how is God only good, uniquely good? God only is immutably good. Yeah. Um, that is, it never changes, mm. right? And I think this is one of the most important aspects to catch on as as in a fallen living as human beings live in a fallen world is that idea that God is unchangeably at all times in every way, good, right? Um, It endureth, the goodness of God endureth forever, the psalm says. And so um, that helps us in times that are bad. What about this statement he makes? God is so good that he cannot be bad. Yeah, I like that. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. And and this is where, okay, because so he is... What he's doing on the goodness of God, even the little bit we've dabbled in here, is so such deep and profound thinking about the goodness of God and the nature of it. And some people could be lost in a sense and think like, man, that is a different kind of thinking than I do. But it's that kind of thinking that really will become quite applicable. And I think even this point about God's, um, the immutability of his goodness, the unchanging of it is so practical for just our everyday lives. Yeah. Right. If I believe that God's goodness changes towards me, then my salvation is not secure. Yeah. The suffering that happens in my life is mm-hmm. from a, a not good God. Right. But right. if he's so good that he cannot be bad, then everything I, I'm, I'm always sitting in a, ever-flowing rivulet of goodness, as he said earlier. And this is probably 
to me, like thinking about the goodness of God will become the most practical and important aspect of, you know, suffering, going through suffering, Mm -hmm. because what are people tempted to, this this is the big question, you know, if God is good, why is this happening? Right. Or, um, you know, how does this tie into to God's goodness or, or what have you? And my suffering, and if we're honest, we do tend to doubt the goodness of God at times in our suffering. But if we, by f- b- you know, by faith acknowledge that God is the only good one and that he's always good, it helps us walk through those times. Yeah, yeah. So those are the four things describing how God is good or however we phrase that. And then he goes into basically a little excursus because he's going to, he says, before I come to the doctrine, the, he's basically going to make a premise about the goodness of God. Uh, he goes on this little excursus again to talk about the nature of uh, eternal life and going back to, um, oh, what was it? Going back to where he started, right? With Mark 10 and the the man who's asking Jesus about eternal life and God being good. And, if we could summarize this point, basically, he's connecting in a lot of ways the goodness of God to not being able to inherit eternal life through good works. Is that kind of in short? Yeah, that's what he's, yeah, he's connected to, in other words, and he says, like, this is always the tendency of man. Yes. To want to uh, save himself through the covenant of works. Right. You know, what good thing must I do? Right. You know. Um. I, or or like he said this, I thought this was a good point. All men set too high a value upon their own services, right? Mm-hmm. So th- even the fact of the rich young ruler coming to Jesus and thinking that in some way he could do things in order to earn God's favor and he inherit eternal life, yep. he's missing the point. Although I thought it was also interesting, though, because he also says this, all people that live that way know instinctually in their hearts that it's not good enough. That's right. why he's going and yes. asking Jesus, That's right. what must I do to inherit eternal life? So yeah. I thought yeah. that was a profound point. Well, I think two applications off of that, and I don't know if then if we want to stop here, if we're going to want to go on to Let's, the next. We can finish it. We can get to the next section, I think. Okay, because the two applications are that when Jesus is in his earthly ministry, there is a sense in which he's laying the groundwork for justification by faith. Because... Um, these are people that are trying to figure out what good thing they must do. And if no one is good but God, that means we're all not good. Hmm. And that's that's the hardest thing for some people to, yes. to understand and to a- admit, I am not good. Um, I, Because so many people want to say, well, I'm a good person. Yeah. But we have to, in the gospel, you have to come to the place where you're not a good person right. and you acknowledge that. Right. It's interesting, though, He, in, along that same line, he's saying that that kind of mentality thinks that God owes us something. Yes. So he says this, God owes nothing to the holiest creature. What he gives is a present from his bounty, not the reward of the creature's merit. Right. So, yes. Because if we were good and that was what merits anything, that puts God in our debt. Yep. And then the other thing that I was going to bring out on this, and he, and he puts this out at the, the last point of that, we should never admit anything to be ascribed to us which is proper to God. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Um, in other words, I, and the way I take what he goes on to say in this is understanding anything good in us or from us is a work of God that should be ascribed to God. 
all goodness in us and from uh, in us from us anything we do that is good we attribute to god and give credit to god because there is none good but god and all goodness comes from god then if no one is good originally uh except for god then all goodness in me comes from God himself, which is really ties back into the purpose that we were designed to display the glory of his goodness, mm, you yep. know? And so as Christians, we, we don't want to take credit for, uh, things that we've done direct credit without applying some glory to our God mm. who has enabled us to do it. Yeah. This was the, and I brought this up at the class the other night, uh, so if any of them listen, this will be familiar to them. But the idea is the Corinthian church was very proud of their gifts mm. and they were very gifted church, mm. but they were very proud of it. And Paul had to say, what do you have that you haven't received? And if you've received it, why are you bragging in it? All of this comes from God. And if you go through Paul's ministry, he had ways of acknowledging, yeah, I work hard. I worked harder than everyone else. I, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but yet it's not me, it's God working in me. So there's all this idea of going back to God is the only original good one. We are all recipients of that goodness and um, him making us good, right? Yeah. So he's done this little excursus then on eternal life, things like that. So then he gets to what I would call his premise or his proposition, that what he calls the doctrine, and it's this. The observation which I intend to prosecute is this. Pure and perfect goodness is only the royal prerogative of God. Goodness is a choice perfection of the divine nature. This is the true and genuine character of God. He is good. He is goodness. Good in himself. Good in his essence. Good in the highest degree. Possessing whatsoever is comely, excellent, desirable. The highest good. Because first good. Whatsoever's perfect goodness is God. Whatsoever is truly goodness in any creature is a resemblance of God. I think in short, he's just summarizing, this is the entire argument I'm trying to make, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. In this, and, and I don't know, is that just in this section or is that the whole book? I'm saying just this section probably. Yeah, because he goes into some other things right. and yeah, so, uh, aspects of goodness, right? So then he makes basically two points that are kind of sub-points of this premise about the uh, the goodness of God. Anything that you want to add before we talk about those? No. Okay. Uh, so basically two points. Point number one is that all nations and peoples recognize the goodness of God. They might not recognize... Yeah, and by what that he means is right. the unknown God that they all have talked about, right? Right. And acknowledged existed that they would say he is... Uh, good, right? And and um, well, and and two with that, he's also arguing for the goodness of God is seen not just in Christ, but it's seen in general revelation. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. That's one of his his uh uh. He says uh well, he goes to Romans chapter one, right? And he's talking about uh, people their unthankfulness, and he says mm-hmm. that unthankfulness is a recogn- They're not seeing that oh, they should be thankful. Why should they be thankful? Well, they, because they've received all this goodness. Well, where did it come from? And that's just in natural, general revelation. So, that's and then, yeah, and then number two connected to that was the notion of goodness is inseparable then from the notion of a God. Yes, which I thought was really good. yeah. We cannot own the existence of God, but we must confess also the goodness of His nature. What does he mean by that? Yeah, 
In I, other words, I don't think he means that it cannot, you cannot imagine a God that isn't good. What I think there is implying here, though, is that to imagine a God that isn't good is is really actually terrifying. Yes. And depressing. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, so we think about God and we relate immediately this goodness to him. Um, because of with without this goodness, then yes, men have created gods that are not good yep. in their being. But, but they're the, terrifying. Right, they're terrifying. To fancy a god without it, that is goodness, is to fancy a miserable, scanty, narrow-hearted, savage god, and so an unlovely and horrible being. For he is not a god that is not good. Mm. He is not a god that is not the highest good. Infinite goodness is more necessary to and more straightly joined with an infinite de- deity than infinite power and infinite wisdom. Hmm. You know, as I was reading this second point here, the notion of goodness is inseparable from the notion of a God. I thought, like, is this not an apologetic point, right, for yeah. the existence of God? Like, yeah. why do you see you see goodness in the world? Where does that come from? Right. It it most people focus on the evil and say, well, look at there's evil in yes. the world. If there's if there were a God, I would say flip that on its head. Flip that on its head, and how would there be good in this world? Hmm. And there's lots of it. Yeah, there's lots of goodness to see all over, and good things that we experience. Where did that goodness? Yep come from and everybody rec- and this goes back to the prior point that he was making though that everybody recognizes this i did think his illustration of from acts 14 uh and lystra paul and barnabas go there and they heal the cripple and what do the people want to do they're like oh the gods have descended and he said why do they call why do they want to make them gods because they saw goodness from them yes right and he, he's just arguing this point that that even idolaters attribute goodness to their gods, right? right? The God causes it to rain or makes yeah. them fertile or whatnot. Even so, if their God isn't infinitely good or immutably right, good, right. they're attributing goodness to some other source, right, yes. to, a, to God. And um, the evil that we see in the world is a result of the human beings, the, the creation of this uh, good God, rebelling against his goodness. Yes. That's why we see the evil that yep. we do. We can't attribute it to the no. goodness of God yeah. because as we'll talk about next time, I think yep. everything he created was very good. It had to be mm. because of who he is because yeah. it flowed out of his goodness. Cool. Uh, so that gets to the end of the first point. <laughs> we have five more to go. Uh, any other final thoughts? No, I don't think so. I think that's good for this time. All right. Well, if you want to read along, you can. You can go find this for free online. You just Google Stephen Charnock's The Attributes and Existence of God. You can get a PDF and read it for yourself for free and read along. We hope this conversation has been encouraging for you, stimulating for you, as you think about who our God is and how he is good and what that means for our lives. We love to hear from our listeners, so you can reach us in a number of ways. If you're part of our church, just come up and talk to us, or give us a call, or send us a text. If you're outside our church, we have an email address that you can send us emails at. It's thecalvarycast at gmail.com. You can follow us on the social medias, only one, Instagram, at thecalvarycast. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time.